Hello and welcome back to French Football Weekly Podcast. I am your host, Chris, and uh, we've um, we've been sort of here and there for the past few weeks, but we've got an awful lot to catch up on. So we're going to attempt to do that. And uh, and we've got um, a guest who's probably quite happy today as well. So that's always going to cheer up <laughs> lots of people. Um, right, I shall introduce my guest. First of all, we have Phil on the buttons, as per usual, having enjoyed a sunny bank holiday. How are you, Phil? Hello, I am well, thank you. Good, good. Uh, and we've also got some bloke called Rich. Don't know who he supports, <laughs> no idea who he is. In fact, I think we're going to struggle to talk about anything. Hello, Rich. Not much to talk about <laughs> this week. No. Hello. No. Um, I presume you don't want to focus on Lorient's push for promotion from Ligue 2, um, <laughs> which is a shame. Um, Rich wearing his hat of positivity right now. <laughs> yes, indeed, yes. Uh, we, we're going to try and um, get around Ligue 1 action as well, but we couldn't really start anywhere but the uh, Coupe de France final, which was attended by 75,000 plus, I'm led to believe, and uh, it was won by Ren. Um, I'm just going to uh, essentially give the floor to you for a moment there, Rich, because <laughs> at 2-0, um, I think probably if you're fair, even you were hiding behind the sofa at that point, maybe, and then things happened and things changed and you came out with the silverware. So what was your overall summary of, of what happened and your emotions throughout? Um, I will try and avoid using the cliched R of emotions, but it really was. Um, 20 minutes in, PSG were walking all over us. Two excellent goals. Danny Alves with a a, a Paul Scholes-esque volley from a corner um, and, a, and a cute finish from Neymar as he burst through, chipping over Kubek. Uh, 21 minutes down, 2-0 down, you sort of felt... It's another one of those finals, isn't it, really, where it's going to be a little bit one-sided. Everybody knows what's going to happen come half-time. Why are we all watching this? Um, Now, fortunately for for Wren, they they didn't let that uh, knock their confidence. They regrouped, and courtesy of 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 an own goal from Mr. Own Goal at the moment, it seems, rather unfortunately Mm. for him, Presnel Kimpembe got a goal back before half-time. Um, which just felt as though, okay, that gives them a glimmer of hope. PSG still weren't playing badly. Perhaps they'd just taken their, their foot off the gas after that opening 20-minute salvo. Um, and then, yeah, in the second half, PSG just seemed to seemed to particularly care. Um, Ren got the equaliser through a, a, a header from, from Edson Mexer, the centre-back. And yeah, then it all it all sort of kicked off a little bit. Uh, tempers were starting to fray, tackles were flying in, players were rolling around on both sides, rolling around all over the place. Um, eventually, got us to ninety minutes into extra time. Killing and Barclay, who didn't have a great game, he did hit the post in in extra time, but didn't have a good game. Ren really did an excellent job, I think, in in keeping him isolated and off the ball forcing everything to go through Neymar, which, um, you know, that worked well in the opening 20 minutes, but obviously it, it, it petered out. Um, and Mbappe just had an absolute red rage, it seemed, and went, it was a horrific, horrific foul on, on Damien De Silva. Studs right on the inside of the knee. It could have done, had it not been for... Damien, Damien De Silva, had it not been anyone but Damien De Silva, who I think is probably one of the hardest <laughs> defenders around, I think that could have been potentially career over, but you don't play so many seasons for calm. 
and don't learn a trick or two about being a particularly hard, um, tough player. Um, and he sort of seemed to shake it off, as, as you do, but it, it was nasty. It was definite red card. Yeah. Um, and that, that, was, that was only moments towards the end of, of, of extra time. And you just felt, okay, maybe that's the glimmer. Ren were looking very tired at that point. Uh, Julien Stefan had elected not to make a substitution until deep into extra time. Um, very, very tired-looking players. But that Mbappe red card just, I think, gave them that little bolt of confidence at a very good time to take into that penalty shootout because we'd seen Ren have a penalty shootout against Monaco in the Coupe de la Ligue um, uh, back in, I think it was back in January. It might have been just before Christmas. Can't quite remember. And it was one of the worst penalty shootouts I think I've ever seen. It got down to the goalkeepers in the end, but not a single penalty you felt should have gone in. It was only because the goalkeepers just were pretty inept that evening. But the, the five rem penalties, sorry, the six rem penalties that, that, that were taken were, were fantastic. Confident, never looked like missing. Ariola didn't get close to any of them. And, you know, you felt a little bit sorry that it was Christopher and Kunku who yep. was the unfortunate player to miss at the end. Um, shouldn't have been taking that one. Shouldn't, re- shouldn't really have been taken. He was brought on seemingly for the penalty shootout um, to replace, uh, I think it was Musa Diaby, who'd himself only just come on. Um, uh, and Kunku was the elected first sudden death penalty taker, which was perhaps a little harsh. Um, he skied his penalty over. The delicious twist of irony, of course, is that he has been heavily linked with a move to Ren in the summer. And, of course, it then all kicked off. Celebrations galore, 30,000 Rennes fans in the Stade de France, you know, tens and tens of thousands more in Rennes, me in a little house near Ipswich, screaming the house <laughs> down. Um, it, it was just, you know, Rennes have been so close yet so far over the last decade, three finals, which they probably should have won all three. I think they'd have, they'd have certainly in two Coupe de France finals against Gangomp, they were favourites, blew it, lost the Coupe de la Ligue final to Saint-Étienne. Um, they are the loser club, as, as their, their nickname seems to be in France, the bottlers, the ones that are really flattered to deceive for too long. That's all over. There's a trophy now in that cabinet. <laughs> there is, uh, you know, at the bottom of the Wikipedia page, there is... You know, finally won a trophy. It's not relying on something won back in the seventies. Um, so it's it's a fantastic feeling. It's obviously rejuvenated everything. Everyone was feeling quite positive. They'd had a good run in Europe. Um, you know, the work that Julien Stefan had been doing was 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 good. But their league form was just stuttering a little bit. At the end of a long season. Um, but my oh my was 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 that a and i'll use it now it was a roller coaster of emotions it was up it was down and then when it reached the crescendo at the very top it's it's a feeling that not many ren fans have experienced before um, and you only have to look at the celebrations that went on then the following day in ren um the way that it's been celebrated by by all it it means a lot and there is a hope keeping it grounded, but there is a hope. Maybe this finally is the thing to kickstart them into thinking and realising that they can be a very, very good club in France. They can be challenging far higher up the table than they have been. And with potential investment coming in from from the, the Pino family, who it was great to see them celebrating with the, with the trophy at the end of the, 
uh, end of, of Saturday's game because they've, you know, they are Bretons. They're they're from the region. They love the club. They have they have you know, put a lot of money in the club. But it seems as though there's going to be an injection of cash for mo- you know, for, for for actual players this summer. You know, there's there's a real positive feeling of, of finally that sort of hoodoo, that sort of curse over Wren has been lifted. They've got that trophy now. People are talking about Wren. Gary Lineker tweeted about Wren um, <laughs> uh, over the weekend. You know, people know a bit more about them. The Arsenal game helped with that as well and how well they performed in that. So there's a feeling now with Europe back on the menu for next season that actually, you know what, we Wren can actually now really start to, to really do something. Mm. Yeah, well said. Yeah, and, and I thought that at the time, the, I think it's the second goal when Thomas Kubak almost just threw his hands in the air as if to say, oh God, it's, it's a long mm. night. His name I chipped him. It, was, it almost, at that point, I was like, I wasn't, I was never going to turn off, but I was sort of at that point thinking, hmm, this could get a bit messy here. And then you just got, it was that goal before half time, wasn't it? That was the, that was kind of the key, the, the Kim Van Bowen goal, and, and it just turned the momentum. Um, Phil, what do you what do you think? Mm. We'll, we'll focus on PSG a bit more in a minute, but I want to stick stick to Ren from uh, from your point of view as well. It, it does suggest that we've seen Gangon beat PSG this season in the cup competition. We've now seen Ren win the cup. Does it does it lay down a bit of a marker that teams should go for these trophies more and, and not be afraid of PSG? Yeah, because oh, I think. You know, they've got the the league sewn up again, but this, I think, mean, this is the first time since um, twenty twelve thirteen they've only won one of the three major domestic um, titles. You know, in twenty twelve thirteen they won the league. Bordeaux won the Coupe de France and Saint Etienne won the Coupe de la Ligue, and since then they've got at least a double and three trebles. So yes, go for it. Have a have a crack. I think what was very interesting was I asked Rich for a, a bit of a quote for the preview, and he was worried about Quebec's performance, saying he's got he's got a rick in him. Um, and yeah, early on things weren't looking good, but he was excellent, mm. um, particularly in the second half to extra time. And you know, in the in the shootout, he was getting close to to some of those penalties. Just looking at the Le Keep um, <clears throat> tops and flops poll, which they do. So we've got for the top 34,000 votes. It was Benjamin Bourgogne who uh, was voted top with 23.23%, but Kubek was second on 20. Who was the flop was hugely uh, for Kylian Mbappe. And that was off, uh, I think, 50,000 votes. I mean, his sending off didn't affect the game so much because it was, you know, one minute um, before the the final, final whistle, although he presumably would have taken a penalty. But um, he was disappointing throughout. I think he got a two from uh, Lekeep's notes or something. I mean, it was quite harsh. Um, but yes, he 65% of those 50,000 people had him down as the flop. I mean, that's because, in a sense, they were expecting so much and so little was given, whereas Wren just did what they had to do. Um, you saw wonderful movements. You know, De Silva and Mexa are 
great as a centre-back pairing, but also an attacking centre-back pairing. I know you, Rich, also were quite nervous about the full-backs, but they did their job well. Burgo was great. And then you've got Nyang and zipping around and Ben Arthur obviously bringing his own particular brand of mind games, possibly, uh, to, to the encounter. It was... It was great. And I don't say this to hate on PSG. It's just, it's nice to see somebody else, given how many things they've won. It's nice that we've got two cup winners are going to get into Europe, who are Strasbourg and Ren. And I know Ren haven't been in Europe since uh, tries to find things. Uh, it was back in, about two, back, in, back in about two, obviously this season, then prior to that. I think you're back to about 2006. And uh, but to give it a proper go this time, to have Strasbourg in there with their kind of cheerful bouncing aroundness, it's going to be good. I mean, it's pissed a couple of people off at the top of the table, but frankly, they deserve it. So I think it was a, it was a great occasion. Um, it was really good fun. And coming from 2-0 down and then winning on penalties, I, that... For the neutral, it was uh, a really perfect result, I think. So, you know, commiserations to the PSG fans, but you have won the league by God knows how many points. So, you know, fair enough. Yeah, I think it is It is one of those that you you do look at, you think, actually, it just goes to show that all these people saying, oh, PSG just win everything every year, it's boring, can, can look at this and go, actually, that is not the case. Um, just on uh, sort of final thing for for the minute on Renrich, how much does this um, sort of uh, this cup win in the season as a whole turnaround? How how highly do you rate uh, Stefan as a coach? Because he's he's not somebody that was um, he was known fairly well in terms of people who, if you knew, you knew kind of situation. But mm. in terms of people who you know just watch the occasional bit of European football or not. Andy Brussel, for example, probably not going to know much about him. So how much of a, an up-and-coming coach is, is he and how much of this success is down to him and him alone? I don't think it's down to him and him alone. Before Rich starts talking, can I just um, share that Rich, for a period earlier today, Rich's uh, Twitter handle was I love Julian. <laughs> um, yes, so I just think we need to. Yeah, I may not be the most impartial on this no, on this particular question. Right. I shall try that. my best. Um, yeah, it's not necessarily down to him solely, but I mean, I, I I don't know if I can really understate how impressed I have been with him since he took over back in December. Uh, this is obviously his first senior job. He, he was he was coach of the the under nineteens and coach of the reserve team at Wren. Um, obviously, as I think probably most people know him now as 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 Guy Stéphane's son, the the, the uh, uh, French national team assistant to to Deschamps. Um, he's he's young. He's he's only, he's not even forty yet. Um, he's a, he is a he's a studier of the game. Um, you know, you sort of look into his background and he's been very vocal in that, you know, he's observed a lot of football. He's watched a lot of football. He didn't really have a, a playing career as such. There was, um, you know, some sort of third, fourth tier football for a time, but was never really 
something that he was focused on. Management and the analysis of the game was really his interest. And obviously with, with, with Guy Stefan and his father being a coach, football was at his fingertips at, a year, at an early age. He has watched a lot of football. He's studied a lot of football. He's, he's, he's really looked at, at coaches' styles, the tactics that they look to use. And he's looked at ways that he can implement that, maybe ways that he can tweak it, maybe even ways that he can improve it. Um, so he's a real through the game. He's a fantastic man manager. You know, you won't hear a Wren former or former Wren player or anything say a bad word about him. There was a great interview um, as he was appointed coach in December with Yoris Nyanyong, who had been coached by Stefan when, when Nyanyong was in the, the youth teams. I've seen Nyanyong now at Sevilla. And, and Nyanyong is full of praise to an unbelievable level. I think there's a quote in there that he said that he was basically, Stefan was basically the father he never had. You know, he, he looks after his players. He's a, you know, he's a great, similar to how I suppose we see with Deschamps in the national team. You know, it's no, no coincidence that that same sort of philosophy of, of, of man management, of, of caring for your players, of being, you know, perhaps more than just a coach, um, there's, it's not a coincidence that, that Julien Stéphane has, has, has brought that into his style of coaching as well. Mm. Um, and you look at the way that, you know, yes, there was initial, was initial startling improvement in Wren's performances. Um, he went on that run where Wren didn't lose a game for six or seven games, conceded, I think, one or two goals in that run. Um, and things were obviously looking great. Uh, there's been a little bit of a blip as we got towards the end of the season. But as I mentioned before, I think that was just a, a squad very tired. You know, European football is something new to Ren, um, pretty much. Uh, and certainly for a lot of those players. And they've played a lot of games. You know, they've got to the, the final of the Coupe de France. They got to the quarterfinals of the Coupe de la Ligue. Um, they've played a lot of football this season. Um, so perhaps there's, a, there's an element of we can forgive him for some of the performances have perhaps tailed off towards the end of the season. Certainly we can forgive him now that the Coupe de France is in the bag. Um, but him as a coach, without a doubt, the best young coach. And by young, I would, I don't want to do anyone a disservice with my definition of young here, but I would say sort of 50 and younger. Um, in, in terms of fresh-faced, there's, there's not many, I don't think, that, that will be as high on people's shopping lists. And you know, Wren have always been a club where there has been a big name player um, on the radar. You know, we've obviously had, um, you know, Usman Dembele is perhaps the most high profile of those. Uh, but there's always been players. And this is the first summer I'm coming in thinking, actually, you know what, it could be the coach. Um, mm. Because he is a real student of the game. I don't, I don't like that phrase, but he is. There's no hiding behind it. Um, so I think he's done a tremendous job. Um, I think the way he carries himself doesn't let emotion get to him. Very calm, very cool. Um, which is why I think I retweeted it numerous times over the weekend. There is a lovely video of him absolutely hurling himself around in in the uh, in the pool, the ice pool in in the Stade de France after the game. Just that release of emotion um, because he is a, a a very calm, very rational person, but. Yeah, in terms of rating him, I don't know if I can speak uh, any higher than, than, than those words because I think he is a, 
a real star for the future. Yeah, yeah, well said. Uh, I'll rein you in slightly there for a moment. <laughs> um, what's uh, for, for every winner, Phil? There, there is obviously a loser, and it's un, it's unusual for that to be PSG in, in like recent history. But they they came away from this game um, feeling a bit sorry for themselves. There was obviously the incident with Neymar and the the fan, who I have to say. Neymar gets a lot of criticism. Um, I think That's not the worst thing he's done by a long shot. That no. fan was being a prick. A, a so pelic, yeah, I completely I, agree. I, I would have done the same, probably harder. Um, but uh, and, and we also saw I mean, he got some rough treatment on the on the pitch. So I think he got that ankle stepped on again. There was there was a fair amount of uh, of sort of rough challenges going on. No more so than Mbappe, of course, who saw red. Um, but it's a really weird end of the season this for PSG we'll, we'll touch on their result um, as you would, probably would have seen yesterday they lost to Montpellier yeah. 3-2 the classic we've lost a cup final and we really didn't perform well but they had a decent side out and lost that game as well mm-hmm. is Tuchel's sort of new contract in any doubt at this stage I don't I may be wrong. But I don't. It hasn't been officially announced, has it? So I mean, where do they? I, I mean, he he was um, after they took you know the kind of three swings to get over the line and confirm the title. He was complaining about not having the squad depth, having so many injuries, not having young players who had any experience, which is you know his fault to a certain extent. Um, I. It's an odd one. I just wanted to add one thing to what um, Richard was saying about Julian Stefan on the man management front. Because you look at that Ren team and it's a good collective, but there are some spiky characters in there. They're not necessarily the kind of spiky characters you have to deal with at PSG, but they are a bit sensitive, some of them. You've got Grenier, Niang, Ben Arthur, and they all seem to work well for the collective we're watching um at the moment uh, as we record ren are two nil up uh, a half time against monaco with a double from adrian hunu within 10 minutes and hatton ben arthur is not playing he's been rested and he was killing himself laughing in the stands and looking just joyful uh, as the second goal went in that's an impressive feat given um how badly the whole ben arthur PSG thing went. Whereas you look at the Ben Arthur Nice thing, and that was brilliant under Favre. Could it be that he needs a particular type of manager, a particular type of character to deal with him? And that was not uh, something that PSG were prepared to offer. And if they're complaining about, oh, we don't have any experienced players on the bench. It's like, it's a bit of a, it's one of the things where you look around and go, everybody else in the league would love to have that problem, you know? <laughs> so I think particularly Neymar coming out afterwards and having a go at the younger players, by which mm. he apparently meant Ariola, who kept him in the game um, early in the second half after that wonderful run from uh, Borgo. Um and didn't really disgrace himself in the penalty shootout. I mean, what was he supposed to do? So there's a lot of sniping um, still at PSG, as we are kind of used to. And if Tuchel thinks he can kind of, you know, wrangle them into shape, fine. But they can't change again, surely. That would be just piling more uncertainty on top of 
you know, discord and whatever. So I would imagine he'll stay around unless he's had enough, which frankly nobody could blame him. But uh, <laughs> it would seem extremely short-sighted. And I appreciate how, how ironic this sounds. Uh, if the club was to get rid of him, um, even though this has been, as I say, quantifiably their worst season uh, since uh, 2012-13. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I, I think a lot of this really for PSG comes down to the fact that they have had transfer window after transfer window where they have failed they've had Hmm. rotten transfer windows for too long now you know yes you get these psg fans saying yes but financial fair players knackedness and restrictions don't spend 70 million on leandro paredes and tilo cara then Mm. because both both have proved i think to be dreadful give some some youngsters a chance i mean dagba has had his moments he looks Dagber, I thought he's going to be fine. Nkunku's going to be fine. Kimpembe needs to bed in a bit more. Fine. We need to see more of that. I like. I keep saying, if Tuchel's going to complain about not having youngsters who've got any experience, that's because he hasn't played them. They've won twenty-seven games this season, and if they'd just beaten Dijon two-nil, that would have been fine. You know, they could afford to change it up more and they didn't. And I know it must be difficult from his point of view, having presumably a hierarchy who is saying, no, we need to see the big names, we need to see the big names. But if the big names are injured and frankly, some of the other names are not big. Like, Bernat is not a big name. Right? Um, who else is in the midfield? Yeah, Paredes is, is not a big name. You know, Draxler, Verratti, fine when they're fit, but they there is there are ways to move people into that. That don't you don't have to be playing the first eleven the whole time, and that's what he seemed to be trying to do. I think I think you've touched on something there because, like, from an outsider looking in, to me, um, I, I it, it's a very weird comparison to make, but I look at. The, the state of the club I support is in. Um, I'm sure everybody knows I'm an Arsenal fan, but if they don't, they do now. Um, and and the big debate in our fan base is is about this. Why is it that we're trying to always replace uh, high-level signings with more high-level signings? Why is it we're always looking for the named players? Why not take a bit of a chance on what I am, they call... I am sure proven? a good 75% of Chelsea fans would also probably exactly. agree with you, given the amount of talent they have coming exactly. up from the academy who are currently all in Belgium or something. And, and I, know, I look at PSG in the same vein, and I think to myself, like, Tilo Kera, I can get, because um, having seen him in Germany, I think there's a player there, and I think he will come good, but he's been thrown in at the deep end. But why not go after... When, when Juan Banat was signed, I think everyone, even me, raised their eyebrows. Left went, back has been a nightmare for them for years. Yeah. He, I mean... But he's been brilliant. I think he's been. I, th- I think he's been really underrated this season. Like he's he's not a fantastic defender. But then name me a left back in world football that is right now, because that seems to be mm-hmm. one position as well as right back where apparently you don't need to defend anymore. <laughs> but, but why don't PSG? I wish Jeremy was here because we'd get one of his lectures. Yeah, we would, and I would probably agree with him. <laughs> yeah, but, definitely. But, but why not? Why don't PSG look at 
what is around them in the league. And I mean, I, I still wonder What's if... in their own academy? How many yeah. of their academy players have fucked off recently because they don't think they're going to get a chance to play? Give them and a you've go. got really, you've got France under 21 scattering all over Europe to get away from that club. And that's, that's a real shame. And I if think. you if you shift Neymar, uh, I, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I I love to watch Neymar when he's on, on song. He, he's a wonderful footballer to watch. I'm not sure about some of the histrionics that go with it, but he's a brilliantly talented footballer. But you know what? If Real Madrid are stupid enough to come in and pay 80, 90 million, which they they are, let's be honest, why mm-hmm. not take that money and, and buy something in- sensible? Yeah, and, and not just sensible, by five or six players. The, the best midfielder PSG, in my opinion, have had in the last three years has just signed for Betis for about four quid and a packet of pork scratchings in Giovanni Love's house. He's exactly the midfielder they needed before they shipped him off to Spain without even, I thought, I think that's a failure of Tuchel. We didn't even give him a chance. When he would have sat, he, he's been better this season than Verratti, who I also love, but has had a poor season, and, and Paredes put together. Um, well, look at, if you look at if you look at transfers, it's I think for for PSG it's a failure to look internally in the in within the league. I mean, mm, yeah, you, know, you look at some of the transfers that have happened. Two hundred and twenty million euros went on Neymar. You could have picked up and had a hefty chunk of change. Ferland Mendy, Fabinho, Bernardo Silva. Yeah, Fabinho <laughs> went for forty-five million. <laughs> Bernardo Silva went for fifty million. Fernand Mendy moves to Lyon for nine million. Yeah, you could have picked up those three players, who incidentally, and and by no coincidence, fill three big voids in that PSG squad: a left back, a defensive midfielder, and somebody creative in the middle of midfield. Yeah, and and bang, with with you know less than a hundred million euros worth of expenditure, you filled three positions. Instead, they went out and they spent two hundred and twenty million on Neymar. Right, he's he scored a lot of goals, but through I'm not going to say it's his fault because injuries obviously are injuries. But he's missed the business part of these two seasons now, when that's the reason PSG bought him was for those knockout Champions League games, and he's missed in he's missed the bulk of of that that running um, for for his two seasons now. He's missed that, and of course he's again. I'm, this is not a pin on Neymar. I'm not his biggest fan, but. The expenditure, of course, then has hamstrung them from a financial fair play perspective, mm. where they've actually now had transfer windows where they can only buy one Keep big player. For example, I mean, <laughs> we, we, we look at, you know, we're, we're laughing about this, but obviously we have, after the cup final on Saturday, we've got these catch-up games happening with PSG away at Montpellier on Tuesday and Rennes at home against Monaco on now. Wednesday, yeah, I'm just trying to allow for people not listening tonight. Um, And Montpellier won 3-2 against uh, Mbappe was out. Presumed the red card ban kind of flows through. Midfielders Draxler, Paredes and Alves, who's been retooled as a kind of right-sided midfield something or other. Which again is possibly down to Tuchel would say, you know, the injury list and stuff, but that shouldn't be happening. No. And yeah, so we saw a situation where there was an own goal from Oyongo that put PSG ahead. Then there was an own goal from personal Kev Pembe. To be fair, the Oyongo um, finish was 
beautiful. It, he really roofed that own goal. Uh, Pembe was more of a kind of bemused header from a, from a kind of a dead ball. Um, but after that, then uh, Di Maria scored. I'm thinking, oh, Christ, here we go. But then Delore equalised. And then super sub Suleiman Kamava. I think he has the most goals from the bench in Liga history. Someone has to check that, but I like to Quite think it's But he scored in the 85th minute, having come on in the Czechs. No, it's 82nd. Uh, so he's on the pitch for three minutes and scores the winner. And it's brilliant. It was a, a very kind of one of Montpellier's characteristically defensive performances. They had a third of the possession, but managed 15 shots to eight and nine on target to three. I mean, I know PSG would have been tired and possibly a bit cross, but you would have thought after the cup final, they would have reacted in a more attacky way. And they didn't. They had most of the ball, did nothing with it, and let a team that don't do a lot of shooting to this extent um, double triple uh the shooting stats and that's it doesn't look good you look at the you know the league they've got one win in the past five in the league um and they just lost a cup final and they've been dumped out of the champions league by man u um which is a third time in a row they've gone out in the in the round of 16 uh, but they've gone out to barca then real than Man U, I mean, that also is, is kind of a slight drop-off there. It's not, it's not looking great. They've got to do something. Their, their domestic dominance is not coming to an end, but as you, you mentioned, Chris, teams are going, oh, we can win a cup. We, mm. can, we can put a dent in these guys. You know, who've they, they drew to Strasbourg at home. Hmm. were hammered by Lille, lost at Nantes. Okay, getting ready for... Uh, yeah. you know, they've lost away at Montpellier. These are all games, at the end of the season, they're just kind of tailing off into nothing because they don't seem to have a point no. to go for now. Yeah. And that's kind of their strength, that they are on 84 points, whereas their second place, Lille, are on 68 but it's also a weakness because it means you've got nothing to go for. You've got no one to fight with. And it doesn't seem to be going that well. No, no. I think it's safe to say there's a lot of rebuilding to go in the summer again. But it'll be really interesting to see if Henrique survives the summer. And it'll be very interesting to see mm. if uh, PSG change tack in terms of what they sign. I think the, the outs column will be interesting because there's a few players there to me that have gone a bit stale and would still command a fee. Um, I wonder if uh, Cavani might look at a little move back to Italy this summer. I wonder about Draxler. Um, I think Di Maria is probably worthwhile keeping has had a really good season himself but mm. Thiago Silva you wonder if this might be his last season at, at that level I know there's a few clubs in MLS that have been looking at him so yeah Ooh, that, just that would be a, a good natural move for him yeah yeah it makes sense especially for the, the branding and, and the size of the play you've seen not there. a lot of effort not a lot of and and you've seen players lots of shouting and and there's the Zlatan effect, isn't there, where he's gone over there and still been successful, as well as um, 
Chicago Fire signed, uh, oh goodness me, isn't it? Nico Gaitan this summer. I think there are, it's a league now that is looking for players that are not quite finished. Whereas before, I think they were looking at retirement homes. I think now it's players that are still um, mm. in the in the spotlight. And I wonder if PSG need to start looking in their own league at the talent available. Um, uh, if, of course, clubs are going to be willing to sell them their talent, which is another story entirely. But I think if you go to a team of, uh, probably not Marseille, for obvious reasons, but a team of, of that level, a St Etienne or a, a Lille, it's going to be hard for them to turn down PSG money, whether they want to or not. So you just yeah. wonder if that might happen. But yeah, um, that's PSG. Um, who obviously I feel feel bad now. I feel like we should have given Red more credit than we did. But Rich, you've had your time. Uh, <laughs> they <laughs> played we... really fucking well. Oh yeah, they I did absolutely. And, and credit where due. And mm. you know, you get what you uh, you get what you put in. At the end of the day. Um, speaking of putting things in, though, we want to talk a little bit about the other ends of the table in Liga, where we'll go next. There was a massive game at the weekend, which saw Khan face Dijon. Um, and it was pretty much one of those neither could afford to lose. One did. Khan get the, uh, got the 1-0 win. Um, and in doing so, secure themselves 18th place, which is still a playoff. And it brings them that little bit closer to Monaco, who all of a sudden are just looking over their shoulders a little bit again, having not won in four games and losing tonight. Khan now have 29 points. Uh, and that victory puts uh, Dijon below them by a point. I think it's safe to say at this point, Gangomba really struggling. To, to stay up um, Rich what, what's your sort of take on this I mean it, it, not so much just the result for Cam but the momentum and the belief this gives them having beaten a close rival do you, do you back them to, to stick in that position or even catch the teams above them now um, I, the reason I back them um, is they've been here and done this before you know they are <laughs> seasoned veterans when it comes to doing just the bare minimum to avoid being relegated um, so on, on that basis, they've certainly got form on their side. They've got the experience on their side. Um, I think just to go back to, to, to Gangong, um, yes, they are, uh, you know, seemingly now, uh, a significant number of points away. I mean, they're five points off, off calm. I think the one thing that we can perhaps, the one reason that we can't rule, um, Gangon out of, of, of fighting back on this front is they have, I personally think, by far the easiest run-in of, of certainly those three teams. You know, if we look at Khan's run-in, there's obviously the huge game coming up this weekend where they visit Gangon. Then they're at home to Rams, away at Lyon, and finish at home to Bordeaux. Um, you know, you compare that to Dijon, who are away at Nantes, home to Strasbourg, away at PSG, finish at home to Toulouse. Um, and then you compare that up with, uh, with Gangon, and there's looks a little, a little easier. Um, you know, it, it hinges on that, that game against Caen this weekend. Um, they're away at Rennes. They've got history of, of, of trumping Rennes, <laughs> so they know what to do there. They're at home to Nîmes, who will be happy with the fact that they've had an absolutely fantastic season and have, have maintained themselves in Liga. And then finish again what could be another very tense, nervy game, but away at Amiens. So there, there's winnable games there, I think. There's no game that you would say, yep, yeah, they're not going to win that. Whereas I think the other two games, the other two teams, certainly have at least one game where you think, 
Oh God, they're not, they're, they're not going to come away with points surely from that in terms of the Leon and PSG games, even with PSG in their current state. Um, so I, I would just say that for Gangon, but you know, Khan are certainly the fighters. Um, you know, they know they know what it takes to avoid the drop. Um, it will come back to that incredible. I'm going to go that it was incredibly fortuitous goal from from Fager to to win it against Dijon. It was a cross. You watch it. You watch it. Back. Not a chance in hell that that was a that was a shot. No matter what he tells you, um, that was a cross. But you know what? It takes that kind of luck, doesn't it, to to uh, to help you out at this time of the season? And if they've got luck on the side, as well as that sort of ability to scrap and experience of scrapping, you, you know, you, you'd be a, a bit foolish, I think, to bet against Com. Um, you know, um, being relegated this season. I think there's there's probably, pains me to say it, because I think they have been absolutely appalling this season. <laughs> they have probably been the like team it. I have least enjoyed watching. Mm. I still um, like Dijon. I know they haven't been that Dijon this season, but, you know, I just, you just look at the last kind of five games. Gangot haven't won one of them. Um, Caen have beaten Nice. They've won three, haven't they? Yeah. Dijon have beaten Lyon. Mm. You know, what the hell was that about? So, yeah, you can see Monaco only three points ahead of that 18th spot if Ren hang on, which they appear to be doing at the moment. Yeah, two and a half. Just checking the thing. Um, you know, they could be dragged back into this, and that would, and Amiens have only one point above them. So, and they haven't won in five either, because um, they're basically horrible so there still could be some movement down the bottom of the table i think we thought the bottom three was fixed but not so sure the way the way things is kind of panning out we're not we're not so sure similarly to kind of the the european places given given what's happened Mm. uh, in in recent times we'll touch on that in a second actually because i because you look at you look at i mean i think to lose a probably just about over the line, given the fact yeah. that they are three points ahead of 16th place. But you look at Amiens, um, four draws and a loss in the last five. Monaco, obviously losing tonight, three defeats, two draws since their last win. Um, obviously, Khan. But they beat Lille. So this is yeah. one of those things where you're going, what the hell is going on? I think yeah. we'll probably get a clearer picture by the end of this this weekend if if you look at the, the teams that are in that in and around that area. If, if you consider Toulouse as safe, you look at Amiens, who are away at Montpellier, which obviously is no no easy feat. You've got uh, Nantes hosting Dijon. I'll touch on Nantes in a second. Uh, that looks like a tough one for for Dijon. Mm-hmm. Like Hosts and Etienne, who are in that shake-up for for that European spot and a banging form right now. Um, and and Gangomp face Khan, which is the, the other massive game of the weekend. And again, you'd think if Gangomp anything but a win for me, that's that, that's them toast. Uh, if Khan win it, I think all of a sudden their momentum is flying. So you, you, you kind of look at it and think maybe after this weekend with games running out, we'll get a clearer picture. But for me, that's, that Gangomp Khan game is just huge. I'm quite surprised it stayed in the the seven o'clock Saturday night spot, to be honest. Um, I don't know who decides these things. I appreciate that Leon and Lille is the big one, but even so, you would have thought maybe they could have could have got that a bit higher profile, maybe. Monaco, Monaco have just pulled the goal back. They have indeed, oh, yes. And you look at their running, you know, it's not a nice running. 
They're yeah. home to probably the league's informed team in Saint-Étienne, away at Nîmes, and then finish at home to Amiens and away at Nice. Mm. Um, it's that's that's not a nice mm. running, for, especially for a Monaco team that have. I think everyone's going to be using Amiens as a punching bag for the rest of the season, basically. So <clears throat> that could be awkward, but yeah. So they're, they're you know they're they're not out of the woods. They obviously had the immediate impact of Jardim's return, mm. but it seems to be back to type this season, and yeah, they have not looked good um, mm. for quite a while. You know, they've got that those two real sort of. Anomaly results, you know, they won back at the end of February, beat Lyon, and then uh, uh, middle of March, they won away at Lille, which just two results you perhaps didn't see coming, you know, interspersed with a loss at home to Caen, um, you know, drawing away at Angers, the, the, late, the last of last gasp equalisers away at Gangon. You know, they, there's no hiding behind the fact they have been poor. Um, and you know, if if they fail to get any points from tonight's game, um, you know, you, you could make. I think I think actually, um, Connor made that very point um, towards the over the weekend or towards the end of last week that you really genuinely can't rule Monaco out based on their running. No, and I think on paper they probably have the trickiest running uh, of of all the sort of five teams that are down at the bottom. Mm. So it's uh, it's certainly not not looking uh, as though relegation is is off the menu for them at the moment. No, no, it's, it's definitely keeping things interesting, and um, that will transition us nicely into the, the the other end of the table, where we will where we'll look at uh, as well. And that that race for the European spots, um, Saint Etienne. Um, We'll, we'll touch on first of all four wins out of five they are absolutely flying uh, I'm delighted for Matthew Debucci's beard uh, <laughs> they beat to lose 2-0 at the weekend um, and they look to be fairly comfortable in fourth now they're five points clear of Montpellier and yep. uh, Marseille who we'll touch on in a second um, I guess the question I'll give you Phil do you, could you back them to to even hunt down Leon because if if that result goes against Leon at the weekend when they play Lille, all of a sudden Saint Etienne could win their game, albeit against Monaco. They would only be a point behind Leon. So do you, do you think they could even push on up to third now? I think oh, we've didn't we discuss this last time. But I mm, I felt they could because, as you said, the momentum going up Leon are uh, still very kind of upsy downsy. They they beat. Uh, Bordeaux at the weekend, but they did it 3-2 against 10 men uh, for the last kind of 20 minutes. Then they don't look massively convincing. Lille are on an unbeaten streak and recently, you know, smashed Neem to pieces. Um, But they're also not immune to the occasional little blip. Previously, it was a goalless draw against Toulouse, which was the one that kind of handed PSG the title before they kicked off. So, particularly given that both of the cup slots in Europe are taken, it's only the top four that get Europe. So, one to three get Champions League, third getting qualifying, and fourth gets into the Europa League. So, if you want Europe, you have to be now in the top four. Which is a bit of a culture shock for Ligue 1 because for the last couple of years, if you made top six, you were fine because PSG was just going to win everything else. So this will be a very interesting run-in. I do think that it's uh, a bit too far to expect either Montpellier or Marseille to make up five points on saint in the remaining four games. 
but I don't think it's too much for Saint-Étienne to make three up on Lyon in the remaining four games. And it's going to be very interesting to see how that pans out. Particularly, their goal difference is the same. Mm. So we've not got that kind of points decider going on. So it, uh, it could there could still be some interest there. I think the top four is set, but it's which competition they end up in is potentially going to be the interesting bit. If you're, if you're a Leon fan, you're not sitting overly comfortably, you know. No. Yes, you got wins over in the last two games, but it was not impressive against Angers. It was not impressive against Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. And they were on a horrible run of form prior to that. Their next two games, Lille at home, and then a, a visit to the Velodrome. You know, we, we will see what, what Leon are made of after those two games. Yeah. You know, Marseille-Leon is probably, probably up there now in terms of unfriendliest <laughs> rivalries. <laughs> but also, I think, you know, I know Orlas is a, a master operator, but he does kind of tend to start his opera- summer operations now. There's a lot of talk, isn't there, about Leon's and first team? some of the things he's saying is possibly not helpful no. in terms of squad harmony and stuff. There's a lot, so, isn't there, that are being linked elsewhere. I've seen yeah, quite a few Which is, which is usual for Leon, given that they are a development team and mm, they develop sad, youngsters. It is sad, but the fact that you've got kind of the chairman then openly discussing things like managerial changes and who's going to be going where for how much. Like May is not the time to be doing that, mm. possibly. So, Especially as you know. he said, he's not going to be announcing anything until after the Lille game. I mean, don't, don't <laughs> say that. Don't put, a, don't put a deadline on it. <laughs> yeah, so, that's, okay, that's who are you selling to Lille then? Uh, Mr. Orlas. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an odd one, I think. But I'm just coming back to what you were saying against um, about obviously Santetti and a wonderful run of form. The other team I think you wanted to talk about, Chris, was non. So on four, four wins on a spin, including Lyon, yeah. PSG, and Marseille. I, I, I do. I really want to give I, them some praise how? because yeah, I mean, I, I, I tuned in on on Sunday night. Not expecting a huge amount because, hey, Marseille, home, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was really impressed with them. And, and I thought that it's very easy in a season to go through what they have gone through. By the way, Monaco are level 2-2. Mm-hmm. Um, Ren have done a PSG. They have indeed. The bottom has fallen I'm, out. I'm, I'm guessing that the giving a shit incident is low. However, <laughs> we jinxed it. That's what happened. Yeah. Um, but um, yes, I, I thought they were hugely impressive. They 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 went in front. Uh, Mutasami's first, I think it's his first uh, professional goal at, at this level or first adult senior goal for the club. Um, Balotelli equalised almost straight away with a really good header. In fairness, before um, Girotto got the winner. Now I will caveat this by saying, as impressive as they were, there was a lot of shithousery from Diego <laughs> Carlos in that game. Two levels of, of which I'd never seen I don't think ever I mean he literally was down seemingly every two minutes but fair play it worked um, but I think given what Nantes and their supporters and, and their their family have have been through um, we saw the, the sad news that, that uh, Milano Sana's father passed away mm. last week I can't help but think that some of that was as a result of losing his son you know it, it's strange how these things happen when family members lose somebody so close um, and, and the community came together as a whole 
when when the sad loss of, of Salah was was announced, and it wasn't just the fact that he passed away, which is obviously the 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 most awful part of it, but the fact that they had lost that talisman, that goal scorer, that that real sort of um, thrust of hope they had when they were struggling to come back from that to integrate players. Um, every single time I've seen the well, I, well, I think it's fair to say every time I've seen Halihodzic on the sideline. He looks like a man who's just taking it all in. Still, he still looks like a man who's very emotional and 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 has just driven these players to to come back from what could have been. Let's be honest, something that could have ended their season at that point. You know, you'd have wow. forgiven them if they'd have just down tools and said, you know what, the game's more than this. But they've gone on again, and for them to be, as you say, four straight wins to to go to the Velodrome no matter how Marseille good or bad are playing, and we all know that they are a basket case at times, um, but to be 12th and, and comfortably secure for another season, I just think is a, is worthy of a bit of praise and, and mm. to win four on the bounce is no mean feat in any league, but yeah. especially in this league where anyone could beat anyone on the given day. I just well, think they're the praise. only ones in the table who've done that at the moment. Yeah, exactly. And, and, I don't think you know. I don't think they're ever really going to push on to the, the higher echelons. But I just think it's it's worthy of, yeah, of mention. They could, like you were saying, cup. Take the cup seriously. Yeah, yeah. You never know. You you, know. you imagine playing in that stadium. You know yeah. the the yellow wall and all that. Yeah. There's. It seems I think it, it's biggest, great that we factor. were seeing, in a sense, these teams who don't have this sense of entitlement to mm. Europe are the ones who are um, exceeding expectations. You know, Strasbourg and Rennes have won cups. Obviously, all of these teams have got history, but they're not the ones going, oh, we should be in the Champions League. You know, Strasbourg uh, are in the Europa League. Rennes are in the Europa League. Uh, we've seen uh, Reims and Nîmes um, break into the, the top half and just, you know, kind of... Rats have dropped off a bit recently, but you know, laying waste to people around them because they're more pragmatic and they're just not hung up on what they deserve. Um, they're going for you know what they can get, and I think that does make a bit of a difference. And Nantes, again, with a great history, but not a fan base who are like, Oh, we should be in the Champions League every season, you know, they could have a a cup run and you know everybody will be there behind them you know it would be a thousand degrees in that stadium mm. so that's that's what you can hope for if you're not PSG in Ligue 1 isn't it yeah but I think maybe you have to be a slightly more modest team maybe to to manage it yeah or to take advantage of that opportunity uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think you're right. And and Rich, you wanted to come in as well on on this. It's just it was just it was just with Nantes. I think probably the biggest barrier to their success is the uh, is the owner, is Valdemar Keita. Mm. Uh, I think you look at they've had some very very good coaches there over the years, and a lot of coaches then have just you know, very experienced coaches have just had to walk away saying, I, I can't work under this guy. <laughs> You know, you can go back to Rene Girard. You can go back to uh, Michel Desacari, and you can perhaps, you know, I'm sure Keita played a part in, in, in you know Ranieri's time there. In the fact that you know, probably the, the most talented manager that they've had there for some time, Sergio Conceição, lasted such a short period of time before he jumped ship. 
Mm. Um, he seems to be quite a difficult owner <laughs> to work under. And I think if, if he can work with the coaches and seem instead of seemingly trying to work against them, then, you know, there's the potential, you know, not have, have some very good history. They have that history of bringing through a lot of very good players uh, you know they have a good academy. They've got the new stadium coming. They've got a you know very good support base, very good um, uh, you know support in terms of, of you know the the the, um, the ground is always full. There's a lot of there's a great there was a great atmosphere there. Um, it just seems to be off the pitch. They don't seem to be run particularly well. And I think if that can be sorted out, then then things on the pitch. Can improve because we have seen, you know, we saw under Ranieri, we saw under Conseil, we've seen towards the end of this season they can put wins together. Um, yeah. So I think they just need uh, to to have Keita fully on board with the rest of the, uh, the rest of the squad. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, I just wanted to give them a little bit of love because I felt they uh, they were worthy of that, and um, and and yeah, they were uh, a good good fun watch on Sunday. And the fact they made me a bit of money was even more nice. So thanks, Don. <laughs> yeah, um, me too. <laughs> always a bonus. Uh, we, speaking um, of which, yes, I also won a bit of money on uh, the women's Champions League recently. Yes, uh, where we have seen after the first leg where Lyon beat Chelsea two one. Uh, last week with own goal and Henri getting goals for Lyon, Buhadi making a penalty save. Uh, they went on the second leg away to Chelsea um, last midweek and drew 1-1 away, opening the scoring through Eugenie Lozoma uh, before Chelsea equalised also in the first half from G. So it's uh, 3-2 on aggregate puts Lyon into the Champions League final looking for their... Is it third or fourth consecutive title but they will be playing Barcelona who um, beat Bayern 1-0 in both legs uh, away and home despite having guess who Kira Hamway uh, sent off in the second leg she's the um, French midfielder at, uh, at Barca with the big hair and the um, short temper shall we say. So it's going to be Lyon-Barcelona in the final. This is Barca's first final. They've come up in the last couple of years, been building. They're now getting in players from outside Spain uh, to play for them rather than just being a domestic team. And I think this is going to be a really, really great game. I think Lyon obviously will still be heavy favourites, but Barca have got a lot of solid international standard talent as well. So uh, the European, uh, the Women's Champions League final should be uh, an absolute doozy as well. So keep an eye out for that. We will be previewing it on the site. Good stuff, good stuff. And speaking of previewing as well, uh, we have also got um, the full programme, as briefly mentioned earlier on, of, of League on Action coming up this weekend um, as as we mentioned before, I think it's probably going to be all eyes on on that uh, that game down at the bottom. I think that's probably going to be the, the key game that people are looking at. But in terms of the uh, schedule for this weekend, we've got the Friday game is Strasbourg-Marseille. Uh, Strasbourg hosting PSG face Nice in a game where likely neither club will give a monkeys. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also got Bordeaux-Angers, Bordeaux, similar story. Uh, Gengong-Con, obviously that big one on Saturday evening. And uh, Ram against Nîmes. 
at the same time. That could uh, be fun, I think. That could be fun, Because, yeah. I mean, they've got nothing to play for, but I, they're both still teams that just play for the hell of it. So yeah, highest place finish that they can get kind of both situation. of you are doing that, then it could be it could be kind of chaotic. Yeah, Neem come into it probably in the best form despite their heavy loss last weekend. Um, but away from home, we mm-hmm. shall see. Uh, Montpellier face Amiens again. That could be could have ramifications for both ends of the table depending on the result. Uh, Nantes Dijon similarly for Dijon's perspective, they need to try and get something out of that. To lose face Rennes again. Probably Nobody more of a dead rubber. Uh, and uh, Monaco St Etienne, depending on the result of tonight's game, which is sort of only minutes away, two-two draw. You think St Etienne will be going all out to win that one? And then the the, uh, the big game on the Sunday night, that fight for second between uh, Olympic Lyonnais and Lille. Uh, me thinks there will be a lot of counter-attacking in that particular game. Um, lots, I mean, lots. I'm just thinking. Count on your fingers how many really, really rapid kind of wing players yeah. on either side. And speaking but, of that, by oh, the way, um, how, rightfully, Nicolas Pepe, Pepe has got a lot of praise this season. Um, Jonathan Bamber has been brilliant. And yes. I just, just want to, to give him a little mensch because, uh, yeah, he's, uh, I think he's, been, he's gone under the radar. Um, but for all these clubs queuing up to sign Pepe, I wonder if Bamber might get uh, a similar decent move this summer if, if clubs have been doing their scouting well, because I think he's been really, really good. So I just wanted to give him a little mensch. Um, but yes, we'll, uh, we'll cover all that, of course, on next week's show, um, as usual. Don't know what day yet, but I imagine it will be one of Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, so uh, yeah, if you've got any questions or anything coming up, please do. And um, just before we leave you tonight, I'm going to give fair warning to my uh, my colleagues here uh, we will be doing a uh, team of the season discussion at some point um, we will probably get to the end of the season before or put it this way it will probably be the show after everything is all decided at the top and bottom um, because we're so organized of course naturally yes uh, but yeah if, if you've got um, particular players that you think should make it or shouldn't make it I'm sure you're all frantically getting uh, Adrian Rabio tweets ready for us uh, not um, but yeah if there are certain players that you feel should or shouldn't make it or if you've got a case for a player that maybe you think we might overlook uh, or that has been overlooked by other people who are talking about this sort of thing, um, do let us know because I always think it makes for interesting conversation and whatnot. Uh, and more importantly, mm. helps my investments in the league and two of the season on FIFA. So, um, yes, please do let us know if there's certain names that you want us to discuss because I think that's always a good fun pod to have. So get those in soon. Um, and you've been warned, both of you. I will be coming for you. Girl, um, I will start a spreadsheet. I thought you might. Uh, <laughs> so there we go. That's uh, another pod done. Uh, once again, congratulations to you, Rich, and to Ren uh, for your magnificent victory last weekend. And, uh, and of course, congrats to Strasbourg, um, which we didn't really get a chance to go into in too much depth with their Coupe de la Ligue win a few weeks ago as well. We were on leave, so well, well done to them as well. Uh, right, I think that will close us off for this week then. My, uh, my thanks to Rich and to Phil for being here as always. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, as I say, we'll be back next week. Don't know who, don't know when, but we'll be back at some point. So uh, stay tuned and uh, yeah, get those players and those tweets reading in if you wish. So uh, many thanks for listening. Enjoy your weekend of French football and we'll speak to you very soon. <laughs>